start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna smoke. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. Hey guys, real quick, uh, before we get started in this episode, um, we're recording with our buddy Josh. Uh, he lives out in the uh, Idaho and pretty spotty service out there. So if you hear any cutting um, in and out of the uh, call, it's just service. You know, we did the best we could. Um, but I promise you, if you can get past that, the story is well worth it. Um, with that being said, uh, let's dive right in and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Episode 145 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast, and we're sitting here with Tom and Nick. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be in the studio. Yeah, we're always happy to be here. And last week, I can't remember if we mentioned... We mentioned that we might be doing an Alaskan episode. Okay, yeah, which this is a different one. It uh, is Alaska, though. Yeah, it, it will involve Alaska, but it has nothing to do with my dad and his Alaska trip. Like a surprise. Yeah, very much. Um, so a buddy of mine, I grew up with him. Uh, we shot trap together for a long time. We were close for a long time, and uh, he moved away right after college, basically. Um, moved out west and has been doing his thing out there, and very avid outdoorsman, fly fisherman, big-time hunter. And uh, last fall, he got the opportunity to shoot a sheep. Uh, he got a bighorn out there. Um, and then his brother lives up in Alaska, and he got him in on a doll sheep hunt. So he was successful on both of these hunts, and we're like, we got to get him on here to talk about this. Nick and Tom, your family, your grandpa mostly, big sheep guy. Yeah, my, grandpa, my grandpa. Yeah, yeah, my grandpa's got the Grand Slam, and partially because of my grandpa, um, my dream hunt is a sheep hunt. Yeah, so I'm sure you guys are excited to talk to him about this. I'm excited. I haven't talked to Josh a ton the past few years, so I'm excited to get him on here, talk to him, and hear about his awesome stories that he's got so yeah i'm super excited because like my grandpa doesn't talk much about his hunts you know mm -hmm. like I, i've asked him about him but it's tough to really get he's a man of few words yeah um so i've never like been able to really talk to somebody i personally knew because i grew up with him too uh mm -hmm. trap shooting you know i wasn't on your guys's team but we saw each yeah. other every week and uh and tom was, used to travel to shoots with us we'd all stay in the camper you know we all we were all i was actually on his team one year when you oh, yeah, when graduated, I switched to Olympic, I, yeah. I took over and yeah, I heard it. Times. Team fell apart. Yeah, after I left, it was just a shit show. Yeah, yeah. But, couldn't uh, hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> uh, uh, was yeah. Greg always say couldn't hit a bull in the ass with a shovel full of corn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's not either. actually how I was on the trap line, but <laughs> yeah, okay, not as good as Frank. Yeah, well, I guess uh, with. Without further ado, I might as well give him a buzz and get him on, you know? Sounds like a plan. So, Josh, what's going on, brother? It's good to talk to you. We haven't, like, talked a whole lot recently. Yeah, man, it's good to talk to you. It's been been a long while. I think um, 
Yeah, pretty much since I moved out to Idaho. We chatted a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah, so that's where you're at now is Idaho. I was just talking to Nick and Tom. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's in Idaho, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Yeah, I'm down in, um, so you consider southeast Idaho, so Idaho Falls. We're kind of weirdly close to Montana and Wyoming and a little bit to Utah also. Right on. So you got like a mix of everything going on out there. Yeah, I mean, Idaho Falls itself is kind of in the armpit of the desert, but mm-hmm. we're a few drive from a lot of different cool stuff, so it's a good place. Yeah, and a lot of different shit to hunt out there. You got it made. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so I guess uh, before we get like way into everything, um, like into you know the meat of the episode, your sheep hunting and whatnot, uh, you're from Northwest PA, right around where we're from. So, uh, like, what got you into hunting? Where'd you start with? You know, was it whitetail hunting, waterfowl hunting? Where did you start at with everything? Yeah, so grew up uh, a couple of you uh, around and just what really got me into hunting. We just grew up in a hunting family. Um, uh, I was talking to my dad the other day, and I was like trying to think of what my memory was and i honestly think it was like trudging behind him and my older brother while they were rabbit hunting through some pretty deep snow uh and i don't really remember much other than it being rabbit hunting and it being like really cold and really deep snow but that's kind of how we got into it got my first bb gun when i was pretty young and we'd run around in the woods behind our house trying to shoot as many bullfrogs as we could <laughs> from there just got into you know small game hunting tagging along on some whitetail hunts um and then getting into deer hunting and turkey hunting um pretty much did that until college when my older brother got stationed up in fairbanks in alaska and so me him and our dad went and did a diy doll sheep hunt up there together um and that would have been shoot about like nine years ago now so that was my first introduction to, you know, like backpack hunting and big mountains and that sort of thing. And it just kind of blew me away. So after college, I wanted to go anywhere where that sort of hunting was available and ended up taking the first job I could, which was in Idaho. And uh, turns out it's worked out pretty well. Right. On. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Like what took you out to Idaho? And yeah, so it was just the first place that said, yeah, we'll let you work for us. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, you know, I had a, uh, my good buddy from high school who grew up in Erie. Um, he got a job in Denver right out of college and graduated like a semester ahead of me. So after visiting him once, I was like, ah, you know, I just want to end up somewhere out west. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to not get a job in Denver and <laughs> get a job somewhere else out west. Right on, man. Uh, so I guess with all that being said, uh, you had the opportunity to shoot a sheep in, was it in Idaho you got your first sheep? Yep. Yeah, I got my first sheep is a big horn here in Idaho. Um, and yeah, you're pretty lucky there. Idaho's cool because they don't do a point system for their draws. So if you talk to any of the old timers around here, they kind of hate that. But <laughs> if you're not 70 years old, 30 points in Colorado, it's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it gives you a fair chance of drawing a hard tag. Um, and when I moved out here, I pretty much just found the unit that had the highest draw odds for a tag. Mm-hmm. And not really planning to draw. And then I did, and 
turns out that unit's um, easier to draw than others for a reason. It's like really hard to hunt. But yeah, just got into it. Oh, and if you hear something terrible happening in the background, my lab puppy is locked up. In- you there? You're, you're breaking up real bad. You still there? Oh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. yep, we got you. You're good now. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying, if you hear anything weird, it's my dog in the kitchen being chaotic. Yeah, no big deal. We're used yeah. to some interruptions. My dog kind of goes nuts once in a while, so you're good. Cool. Yeah, he's just 10 months old, so still learning how to not be chaotic. <laughs> so with your uh, the sheep hunt you uh, pulled, uh, your tag in Idaho, uh, what was like preparation like for that like the first time you did a sheep hunt there like what did you do to prepare yourself for a hunt like that coming from like the northwest pa region um moving out that way yeah so i've been uh fortunate to by that point actually do three doll sheep hunts with my brother up in alaska um two of them have tag and one time just going up to help him and a buddy that drew a tag so i felt pretty comfortable you know going in and doing the backpack hunt that sort of thing uh wasn't super prepared for the kind of the difference in climate between mountains in Alaska and mountains in central Idaho. Uh, they're a lot drier here in Idaho, but you know, just trying to get in like good shape, make sure your gear's all together and starting to plan out where to go. Um, the unit that I drew doesn't have any roads in it. There's like one road that parallels the top part of the unit. And it was about a nine and a half hour drive from my house to like, get to that road so scouting was pretty tough in there um ended up like hiring a charter to fly over the unit with a buddy who was going to help me hunt uh just to try and see some of it plan out where we were going to go um talk to as many people around as we could out of work um my boss grew up out here in idaho and he was trying to draw a sheep tag for like 26 or 27 years so after he got over initially just kind of hating me for drawing a sheep tag <laughs> he's able to like offer up some good help and some people to talk to and so that was kind of a lot of it just talking ears off and trying to way to get in there I guess, I guess i didn't even realize that there was an option to like get with a pilot and fly over the unit you know like we i've never even heard of somebody having to do that to scout an area but if there's no roads I mean, it's pretty overwhelming to try and hike in to just scout. Yeah, it was um, it was a pretty gnarly unit because even, you know, I did one long weekend where I hiked in off that road and the trail that I'm planning on following uh, supposed to be a pretty good trail along a pretty well-established creek in that area. And there were just whole sections of it that were washed out and like a cliff now. Um you know, like not really maintained at all. So the hiking around in there was hard. Um, fortunately, there are several airstrips in there. So in Idaho, it's not like Alaska where you can land a plane wherever you want. But there are uh, maybe a dozen or so uh, grandfathered in um, airstrips that you can land like a bush plane at. So there's a few air taxis here that fly people in from elk hunting and people that draw the sheep tags. So that's the route we ended up going for hunting, uh, two is two of the three times I went in the hunt, we hired a plane to fly us in, drop a an airstrip. 
So when you're going in there to scout, like I know if I'm looking for a spot to whitetail hunt, I know what looks like good whitetail habitat. What are you looking for when you're going in there scouting for sheep? Yeah, so it was tough. Um, with bighorn, you know, never, obviously never hunted them before. And then running around doing other stuff here in Idaho, I just run into them. Uh, so I kind of had an idea of what habitat they like to hang out in. But again, you're just, you know, talking to other people that have had that tag and they'll kind of where they think sheep hang out. So when you're flying, you're just kind of looking for that type of terrain. And honestly, the main reason I did it was to try and get a better idea of what those mountains were like in there as far as um, you know, like cliffs and how vertical they are, how easily you can get around. Um, ironically, the first like side drainage off the main river in this unit that we flew over in the plane and the pilot was a really cool guy, but had also never sheep hunted, was like an elk hunter and stuff, but never sheep hunted. We looked down and there were some like really, really rough cliffs below us in the side drainage. And he was just like, man, I think if I was a bighorn sheep, that's where I'd hang out. And it turns out, you know, like 20 some days of hunting later, that's where I ended up shooting my sheep is where this dude. <laughs> yeah. You got to hang out there if I was a ram. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. So we were just, I mean, basically you're looking for uh, you know, like water sources up high areas that look like they'd be good feeding, you know, like pretty similar stuff to what you're looking for, for whitetail, just, in a different scale and different environment, you know. Mm-hmm. What kind of elevation were you hunting when you were out there? Um, I want to say the mountains around there were peaking out at about 9,000 feet. And the main river was like four or 5,000. So there's some pretty good vertical, like the main river where you get dropped off is kind of down in a canyon, like just a real long canyon. So once you hike out of there into some side drainage, it's a little bit easier. Um, but there's just a lot of, a lot of up and down to get to hunt it effectively, you know? Oh, I'd imagine. With that 9,000 feet, I mean, I don't know if you're hunting up at the peaks, but did it affect your breathing at all? Is the oxygen much thinner where you were at? Um, I've gotten like used to it living out here. Um, so it doesn't really mess with me anymore, but the first time, so the first time we went in, my brother came down from Alaska to help out with the hunt and he lives a lot closer to sea level. So like he was definitely feeling it. Um, the heat was kind of worse then cause that was real early in the season, like early in September. So we had about, uh, I was maybe 90 some degrees during the day and then getting pretty cold at night. Um, so that kind of messed with us more than having thin air and breathing, but it was, I think, slowing him down a little bit. When you drew that tag, did you plan on being out there as long as it took you to get your sheep? Were you going to hunt the whole season? Yeah. So I was actually, um, got really fortunate about that. Uh, where I work is, um, I'm like a researcher in a national labs. So it's not like a real uh outdoorsy job but i'm fortunate that like my boss is very outdoorsy and my direct manager who's not a hunter was just really cool about this hunt i explained to him like hey this is a once in a lifetime tag i'm gonna be taking a lot of pl is that okay with you and 
super cool about it. I ended up actually using every hour of PL I had on the hunt. <laughs> and for the last two weeks that I went out, when we were talking about it, he was like, hey, you know, if you need more time, we can try and figure out some ways to, like, make sure that you can get the time off that you need to go on this hunt. So it was that's, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome that you have people that you work with that are that cool about it that give you that opportunity, even though if you didn't have all the time in the world to do it, they were still understanding and like, yeah, we realize that this is not something that you're going to ever get again. So they're doing everything they can to make it successful for you. Oh yeah. It's, it's cool. And that's, you know, one of the nice things just about like Idaho Falls, a lot of people out here hunt. I've been just like growing up in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. So, you know, deer season, elk season roll around and it's kind of like the opening day of whitetail used to be when it was on a Monday and (laughs) elk work nobody's at school mm-hmm. so was your uh your idaho sheep that was your first um sheep you killed right yeah yep on um one of the second doll sheep when i was on i missed the ram about 550 yards so it was the closest i could come to taking a ram prior to the idaho hunt um, so it was, it was pretty cool. It was definitely unexpected too. You know, I didn't think that I was going to be able to draw a big horn tag and hunt really ever. So I'm just kind of putting in for the tag as a pipe dream, you know? Yeah. Um, how far, uh, did you shoot, uh, this big horn? Yeah. Let's just, let's just hear the story <laughs> of this hunt. All right. Yeah. So the first time that, uh, we went into the unit, yeah, I so said my brother came down to help out. We were planning on going in for about 10 days. So we flew into an airstrip uh, kind of for the opening of the season. Um, towards the end of September, but my brother had a baby due on. So we decided to go in early. Guy dropped us off, and we uh, first off just hiked from the river bottom all the way up to – there's a lot of old fire lookouts in this area cause it's all like national forest land basically, and – so we hiked way up to this lookout. Um, we're just like already getting our bus kicked because we're carrying a bunch of water up and it's hot. There's supposed to be a spring next to this lookout, but we weren't sure. And there are a couple really big forest fires going on in the area. Uh, but they were far enough away that we shouldn't have gotten into any danger, just a ton of smoke. So we got up to the top of this peak on the first day and we're trying to glass There's a bunch of smoke and stuff around. Uh, we check out the spring and that's dry because it had just been, you know, we've had a couple of dry years out here in the West. So a lot of that stuff's not running water like some of the maps say it should be. So glass some, um, we saw a couple of lambs and ewes kind of on our hike up where we weren't really expecting to see sheep. So that was kind of cool and encouraging, you know, like, all right, we're seeing sheep, not rams, but it's something. Um, so we get up the next day and we had kind of planned to work this one ridge system out. We were up on top of everything and get above them and glass down, but we were worried about water since that spring didn't pan out. We only had a couple of days worth. So we started like really rationing how much we were drinking. Um, and then on the second day, my pack actually broke on me. <laughs> so it was a pack that I'd made and the frame snapped on it just from like setting it down hard with our full pack weights. Cause we were, I think I was about 70 pounds for that hunt. So weight well, just broke and tried to 
hunt with it broken, but it was not working out. So by the third day, we have like the, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Garmin inReaches, but basically like let's back through. Yeah, yeah we, my dad's actually up in Alaska right now, and that's our only means of communication is he has an inReach, and it's they're super convenient for sure. Oh, yeah, there was a lifesaver on this one. So our pilot, who's, again, like just a really cool guy about all this, uh, the pack broke. We knew we needed to get a new pack in there. So I texted my girlfriend and my other hunting buddy back in Idaho Falls and basically, okay, hey, you guys need to somehow break into my house, go into my bay, get my old hunting pack, drive it three hours to the town that we flew out of, and then coordinate with the pilot to fly it into this airstrip and I'll meet him down there and like pick it up from him. And somehow it worked out and like the pilot was flying to a different town that has a backpack manufacturer and he uses and he was like, Hey man, you just want me to do it. Like I'll buy you a backpack here in Boise and fly it into you. And when you get done with the hunt, just pay me back. I'm like, Oh man, that's a pretty tempting deal. But I just went with the old, you know, standby pack that I knew would fit everything. Uh, so we got that flown into us, but we ran out of water and had to drop down from the high country. Um, and this is about uh, four days into our hunt now. And we still weren't seeing sheep. Um, we actually weren't seeing like any critters. We saw some bears, but nothing else. So we dropped down and finally get to the river and get some water. And that was great. Um, there's a bunch of like commercial rafting on this river too. So you'll see like rafting parties and guides going by. They're half drunk, just like fishing. <laughs> You're up on the ridge, like dying of dehydration. So <laughs> kind of makes it a little bit, a little worse. Yeah. But we, um, you know, made camp down by the river. The next day the pilot was going to come in. We had a pretty big black bear come in. All those stories baiting real hard on shooting it. But our rule always when we're sheep hunting, uh, we're sheep hunting we're not shooting anything else and thought it was gonna be a big deal to get it out of there so we passed on it and then the next day I picked up the pack from the pilot and told him the story of the bear and he's like oh man you should have shot that like i would have taken it into town and some more reason for you like, guy's really cool i like asked him about it um but we got hunting again and Piked up a different side from the bottom where we knew that was, we kind of didn't want to get dehydrated again. And now at this point, we're like, I think six days into our hunt. And the whole time, the smoke's been getting a lot worse. Like, it just rolls in each day like a big uh, cloud bank. And in the morning, you're waking up and there's ash like on the tent. And the worst that it got, we would just be sitting there glassing and you just have ash like falling on you. Hmm. That's so, intense. I mean, you said at first that you were like far away, but like if you're close enough where like ash is landing on you, it makes me believe that you're a little closer <laughs> than I would probably want to be. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, we didn't really have a good way of knowing what was going on. Um, the pilot didn't say much about it and we were just like, well, you know, it's, it's super smoky in here. We knew it was going to happen, but it kind of impeded the hunting too, because it cuts your limit, uh, visibility down when you're trying to glass. So yeah, no doubt. You can't, like near as far and 
it's almost like being in whitetail woods early in the morning when you keep thinking that you see deer but it gets <laughs> out like a you know stick or something like that yeah yeah we saw a whole lot of that so about seven days in we decided to uh just pack it out and go back to the first airstrip that we had flew in from and glass from the river where we had seen those lambs news on the first day because we were just like you know what we saw sheep there and maybe some rams will pop up it's near the river we'll at least be able to see it with the smoke and everything so mm-hmm. let's and that was about a 12 mile hike um like back up the river to get to that airstrip and so we're hiking um and it's pretty cool because the trail along the river there like i said it's kind of a canyon so you're going up and down a lot and you're not always along the river but we saw a spot where there were some old pictographs from some americans there like a long time ago mm-hmm. and the pictographs ironically were native americans hunting sheep so we're like oh <laughs> we've been doing this here for a really long time uh and we're just booking it you know passing some raptors and we're getting near the airstrip um kind of about dark so it's starting to get wild and on the other side of the river up ahead behind a ridge there's smoke that just looks like it doesn't look like a cloud of smoke it looks like a pillar like coming from a fire mm-hmm. and we're like oh man that's weird you know it wasn't there when we landed <laughs> and we kind of around the corner of the river a little bit and then we can see flames up on the ridge oh jesus and christ yeah we're like oh crap like that fire is burning right now and so we went down and got closer to the airstrip and when we got there there's like an old cabin that was a forest service cabin there and like a little bit of a um like fenced in field for horses and that kind of stuff and there were a bunch of firefighters set up there now like a big tent pitched and a whole bunch of dudes down in there with hoses and stuff pumping water out of the river and we're like oh shit like i wonder what happened with that fire so we hiked down there and talked to them and the head dude kind of came up to us and explained that the river they had like a couple of red flag days which were just really dry and real high winds and this fire I know, was like made a 20 mile run in one day it was something insane and wow. so now really close to our airstrip and to the point where we were asking like hey are we in danger if you know we were just gonna hike like 500 yards down this way set up camp and glass in this other direction like are we gonna be okay there and the dude's like ah, maybe maybe not you know we have some models showing it like running down this way and kind of taking out this airstrip but just give me the name of somebody i can call to like get a hold of you if it gets bad so i gave him my girlfriend's phone number and was like hey she has my inReach. she can text me if anything's going bad so we go down there and we're hanging out uh just glassing when i got my pack flown in i had him fly in my fly fishing gear too so we're kind of alternating catching cutthroat from the river and glassing for sheep and we're seeing sheep you know there's like a couple bands of lambs and ewes that were coming down and this tag that i had is technically an any ram tag so my brother was messing with me like he's looking through the spotting scope of some of these lambs and he just kind of elbowed me and be like hey that lamb's got a nut sack on it <laughs> <laughs> you can shoot that thing we'd be back at the airstrip eating backstrap <laughs> 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 shooting a lamb man he's like i don't know think about it 
Something to so, consider. <laughs> yeah, it's, it could all be over. Your pain and suffering could be done. You have a bit of RAM. Nobody would have to know it's one year old. <laughs> but uh, we just hung out there some more for about a day. And then the next day, it's you know, even like smokier. There's more ash falling. And now we're on the side of the river that the fire was. So we're a little more concerned. And all of a sudden, my inReach starts going off. And it's just like message after message from my girlfriend being like, are you in danger or something like that? This guy just called me from the Forest Service and said, you have to get back to the airstrip now. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Sorry, I'll explain it to you when we get out. And so what happens is Forest Service dude called her, and she was with a friend, thought it was a spam call, and so picked up and was like making, you know, like trying to make fun of the guy. Yeah, like, well, as we all do. Yeah, like, oh, sure, you're from the Forest Service. And the guy was like, uh, like, is this Lily? Josh is in danger. Like, you need to text. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, shit, and got real serious. But basically the river, or not the river, the fire had made another run towards uh, this airstrip. So there were a couple raft companies that had gotten their clients flown in there and were about to leave. And us, we got back basically at dark and camped on the airstrip which is just this big flat you know 10 feet above the river mm -hmm. and it got dark and we were watching the fire burn um on the other side of the river maybe half mile away or so and it's just burning towards us like racing up ridges there was one point where it went from pitch black to not quite daylight, but I could see my brother standing next to me just fine, you know, like mm -hmm. clothes and everything from how bright this fire was, just lighting up a hillside. And um, that was pretty gnarly. And then we got word from our pilot because we were texting him like, hey, you know, if we can't hunt, this fire's bad. We want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. So he informed us that they were shutting down that airstrip to flights coming in and out. So we weren't going to be able to get out. Um, and so we just kind of slept on that news that night. And the next morning we got talk with the kind of fire chief, like commander, who's incidentally a cool guy that was into sheep hunting, um, which shocker, but, um, <laughs> it, like had indeed shut down that airstrip and they wanted us to just essentially stay there indefinitely and didn't want to let us hike down to another airstrip that was about 10 miles away because they had a model showing the fire like burning down the river that way. So we talked one of the raft companies into letting us like hitchhike down the river with them in a raft to an airstrip that was like, I think it was about 30 river miles away, um, which ended up being great. So we talked to firefighters into letting us do that, jumped on the raft, um, kind of had to coach them on the whole like us being hunters and having guns thing <laughs> they were like cool with it once we talked them through it they just had like a lot of questions about hunting in general because they're a bunch of like rafting hippies and yeah. it ended up like the idaho conservation league that was on the rafting trip so it was a bunch of old environmentalist guys mm -hmm. um i made a joke about if we saw a bighorn ram from the river they were gonna have to like row over to the bank and let me out <laughs> and that did not go over very well. They yeah, were like, I'm sure oh. they really appreciated that joke. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you can't do that. And 
was like, oh, yeah, you, you didn't get the humor. Sorry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a joke. Um, but it was, you know, kind of a, a, a cool end to that haunt after getting your butt kicked and dehydrated. Now we're rafting down the river, and those raft guys bring, like, full kitchen out and so they're cooking up lunch and dinner and dessert and everything and they were nice enough to um like feed us and give us water and all that stuff so they were super cool about it we got out to an airstrip and the next day they were able to fly us out um so that was kind of the first like leg of the hunt it was pretty eventful but kind of disappointing that we didn't see any um like big rams you know the Biggest we saw was a little bit over a nanner curl. Mm -hmm. So it was like kind of disheartened after that. I didn't really know where to go. Um, waited a week. Brother flew back to Alaska. And then I did just like a weekend hunt on the other end of the unit, hoping the smoke wouldn't be as bad. So I drove that road in, hunted off of a ridge, saw a bunch of mountain goats, um, but didn't see any sheep. So... That was kind of a bummer. What was cool about that hunt was I could still see the smoke from all these fires burning around me. And overnight, we got like a really hard snowstorm. So in the morning when I woke up, it was just like steam coming off of all these fire area of smoke. Mm -hmm. And that was just like a thing to see. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, but still no more sheep, you know? So I was like, crap, kind of running out of time in the season here. I think I had about... Um, like two or two and a half weeks left and I had one buddy that could hunt me out or help me hunt here in Idaho and he had like he's still in college he had some school final stuff he had like finish up before he could come out and join me so I decided to just fly in and hunt alone for a little over a week and then have him hike into the unit um cross the river and then help me hunt for like the last 10 days of the, or seven days of the season, something like that. So basically be in there for the last two weeks of the season. Um, so got ready to do that. Uh, flew in the air dude it was a different pilot this time. I think this guy was pretty skeptical of me like going in by myself and hunting for sheep. And so flew into a different airstrip where there was this kind of, it's like a dude ranch timeshare kind of thing where if you're just a guy that wants to like have a place to go hang out on this river in the middle of nowhere, you can buy part of it, like a part ownership of this ranch, mm -hmm. which seems like actually kind of a cool deal. Cause there's some uh, dudes that are there full time that are like eel skinners and will help you out. You know, it was elk season then. So there were elk hunters out in the woods and every once in a while, you'd see somebody packing meat back out on a mule. Um, that was kind of cool. Hikes through there, hikes back up into the drainage, which is that first one that I'd flown over with the pilot where he was like, man, I think there'd be sheep down there. Mm -hmm. And got in, uh, like, just kind of planning on not hiking as much, blasting a lot harder because bighorns, like, I just found out that they blend in really, really well with their surroundings, unlike doll sheep up in Alaska. Yeah. So I figured that we'd been walking by sheep and just needed to sit down and glass some, you know. So that's kind of what we did, or what I did. Got in there, 
um, started glassing, saw some lambs and ewes, decided to hike up this drainage because it looked like there was a good trail in it, according to Google Maps, and again, got screwed by Onyx and Google Maps because I don't think this trail had been maintained since, like, FDR was in office. <laughs> Go from being, like, two people wide and, like, a road to just absolutely nothing. And there's, like, it's kind of hard to overstate how, um, like, not flat any of this land was. Like, I came to one point in the trail where some guy had just piled up some sticks on the trail and made a fire and, like, slept there because there was nowhere else flat. To... <laughs> so I'm, like, hiking up it, having a real hard time, get to a point to stop in some cliffs, and I'm just looking around, like, man, yeah, I can't continue up to play, like, it's just kicking my butt too hard, but I don't want to go back. So I decided to just climb, like cross this little creek and climb up out of this canyon to this um, like flat little basin that was up about halfway up the mountain. Looked like it had a spring in it. So hiked up there the next day, and it was just kind of like the straight up stuff where you like lean back too far and you start to fall down the mountain. <laughs> so got out of there made actually a pretty comfortable camp up there found some water up high and i was pretty pumped on that so just set up and started glassing for i guess spent two or three days there just glassing as much as i could ran into a couple of other guys that were sheep hunting they were trying to hike way up to this lookout and having a hard time getting all their gear and water up there um so i it was like, yeah, I know what that's like. I feel pretty confident just sitting down here and letting up and walking. Mm -hmm. I think it was like the third day, a little bit before noon, I just happened to be looking directly across this canyon above some cliffs on the other side. And I was like, is that? Like, I thought I saw a butt. And I looked closer, and it was two sheep butts on this, like, cliff that jutted out of the main um, complex of cliffs. And I started looking closer and the butt turned around and it was like a pretty good looking ram. And the second butt was a smaller ram. I was like, oh, you know, shit, those are the first two good rams or the first good ram I'd seen this entire hunt. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was trying to, you know, calm myself down and like I'll go after him right now and just like charge at him, you know. But I had like a canyon between me and them and then there was a good band of cliffs that they were above and i didn't know if there was like a way through that so looking at my onyx and trying to see where they were going to and stuff it kind of became clear that the only way to really get up above them without being was like all the way back out to the river and then follow a trail up that kind of went up onto the hogback that they were on Pike that all the way up to the top of the ridge and around behind him. And the whole loop was about seven miles. So, um, bedded him at about 1 p.m. Decided, like, all right, you know, I'm just going to take my tarp, leave my pack behind, only bring a couple days worth of food. So, like, I'm just going to go up there and make this happen really quick or it's not going to happen at all. And that ended up biting me a little bit because I was trying to, you know, just go as light as I can. And essentially sprinted down off the mountain on that trail, you know, picked up water in the bottom, got up on the other side and was just hauling it as hard as I could to get up there before dark to try and get above them. So I'd seen where they bedded down. They were in a place that looked huntable. So I just wanted to try and get up there before dark. 
and um ended up getting up there about 40 minutes before dark and it's just like soaked and sweat i think i have a picture of my pants like it looked like i was billy madison like i just wet myself real hard you ain't <laughs> cool unless you be your pants exactly i was miles davis man <laughs> <laughs> but i got up there and um kind of worked my way around I actually found that there was like a good horse trail that wasn't on the maps that went off there and followed this ridge around and that ended up being a lifesaver so I got up there and I was trying to hunt and I knew what bowl they were in but you know a thing that often happens is you get up above where you think you can hunt and the terrain just looks a lot different you can't really see so there was like 45 minutes of dark. Now your wind's blowing downhill because the thermals kind of switched. I just didn't want to risk bumping them, so I backed off the ridge some, set up my tarp, and just kind of threw all my gear on because I was soaking wet from sweat <clears throat> and crawled in the sleeping bag and just tried to kind of play it cool up there and formulate a plan for the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the morning, got up, ate a really quick breakfast, and just started kind of sneak hunting my way hole where they were at and it's all burned timber so you can see quite a ways but it's just all standing and kind of half falling over snags and stuff yeah and i'm just you know walking five or six steps at a time and then stopping and glassing with the binoculars and within about a half hour of doing this i picked them up they were feeding towards me kind of coming over these little rolling hills and they were about um 700 yards away it was the closest they got and this like um it should be like a dry creek bed you know really just a brushy kind of bottom of this draw was between us and them and you know i was looking i had a solid rest i did a ton of practicing in the off season with my gun and i was putting like sub moa groups together out to 800 yards shooting prone you know i was like really confident in my gun but there were just too many snags in the way to like, make sure the path of my bullet was going to be clear. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I've got the food and water. Um, got all day to try and get on them. Let's just take it easy. So they fed down into that brushy creek bottom and then just disappeared. They never fed out of there. I was like, oh, crap. You know, I don't know where they're going to go now. So I sat there for a while trying to figure out where they were going to go. And um, I was kind of realizing at this point that I drank too much water on the hike up and I was a little lower than I thought I should be. So I was trying to kind of conserve water and conserve how much moving around and sweating too, because it's still getting pretty hot during the day. Mm -hmm. And eventually decided to just loop back around to this band of cliffs that was on the very top of this ridge overlooking where they had bedded uh, the previous day. So I got over there and I'm just kind of like sitting on this pillar of granite that's poking up out of the side of the cliff and looking down uh, this cliff bed and all of a sudden one of the ram's heads pops out above the cliff and oh crap, here they come. And they kind of came up onto that um, cliff top where they bedded the day before and bedded down in the same spot. And so they're like, all right, yeah, that's, that's good. They're like 600 yards away, bedded down. They don't know I'm here. And I was trying to like scramble around this pillar to the different little ledges that were pretty much just big enough to lay down on in some places, other places you could only sit. And I was trying to get like a stable rest to shoot down at what was a pretty extreme angle. Mm-hmm. 
And just as I got a good steady rest and put the crosshairs on the big ram, the little one stood up and started feeding back behind them. And the big ram just kind of turned around, saw him feeding, and decided to get up too, and then fed into some brushy crap. And for the next four hours, that big ram never came out into the open. And like, meanwhile, the little one's just dancing around doing whatever. <laughs> God. So was just waiting them out, waiting them out. And now it was starting to get dark. You know, it was maybe two hours to dark. And I didn't want to shoot too close because they were, or like too close to dark because they were a ways downhill, you know, to follow up on the shot. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that big ram pops up and he's out of the brush in the open, kind of quartering towards me. And he's like looking at me, you know, he somehow saw me. Um, Probably it was a little bit of skyline, so I was sitting on a pillar of granite. And, you know, ranged him 530 yards, kind of swung the crosshairs around and put it low on his neck and shot. And I saw in my uh, scope, like, at the shot, I got pretty unsteady, like, you know, from the recoil and stuff. So I had a hard time picking him back up in the scope. But I saw him trying to run uphill and then stumbling downhill really hard. And so, like, all right, that's a good sign. And then after the shot, you know, he kind of, like, disappeared into some brush. And the small ram ran up onto the um, ridgeback going down and looked back at the, um, like, direction where the ram had fallen and then left the basin alone. I was like, all right, that's a really good sign, you know, if he's leaving his buddy behind, mm-hmm. it's a good chance that got him. So I ran all the way down there. Um, which is a mistake because it turns out 500 yards and really like really far away. Um, got down there, was trying to locate him. Uh, couldn't, I'm colorblind, so it's really, really hard for me to pick up a blood trail. Next to impossible, so I'm just trying to basically find him dead. And it's getting dark, and then it gets fully dark. I couldn't find him. Uh, at this point, I'm down to like a liter and a half of water, and I don't have any food for the next day because it's just like longer than I was planning on staying up there. So I'm like, oh my god, crap, you know? Uh, I texted my buddy on the inReach and told him what was going on, and like, man, like I'm I'm pretty worried about being able to get down there and find him and still having like mm-hmm. get him back out of there. Um, but he's just kind of pulled me the man up and was like, ah, you can do it. <laughs> Quit being a bitch and go to, go down there and find him. <laughs> exactly. So I like hooked it way back out of there, uh, up to my camp for the night and um, had this like hydration powder that my boss uses for ultra marathons. And so I just kind of like dumped as much of that into my water as I could. It's like what I had left. Drank some of it, saving some for the, re- the next day and went to sleep, woke up the next day, went back to where I had shot and just spent like a good 40 minutes, like recreating the shot where the Ram was standing, where I think he fell based off of the topography, like the different draws and stuff. And then I marked a couple spots on my GPS just like, all right, I think he fell here. Maybe he rolled down into this little draw here, went down there and started looking. And in the scree field, I saw it, to me, almost just looked like a pattern of moss on the screen. And I was looking at it closer, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's like dried blood on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Like a decent amount of it. 
and I started following it downhill and there was more dried blood. And then I looked up and the ram was just piled up dead against the deadfall. Nice. Yeah. So it was like, Oh, awesome. And where I'd ended up hitting them was, um, like a little bit higher in the neck than where I was aiming, but it blew him out and he was probably dead before he hit the ground. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice cold night. Um, set my tarp up so when the sun came up i had some shaded area to be like laying meat out to hopefully get it to cool down you know yeah and just set to work butchering them out um which is kind of tough the deadfall helped me out a lot because it was so steep and like just scree and gravel and stuff it's yeah. like hard to get good footing and stuff um we got them butchered out and at that point i had a decision to make i was like all right i'm about I was like 17 or 1800 feet below the ridge and about 2000 feet from the creek bottom. And I have like half liter of water. So it's like, do I go down through these cliffs that I'm not sure if there's actually a path through and then deal with one of the worst trails that I've ever been on, but I'll have water. Or do I go back up to the top, which I know is straightforward and then walk a good path a few miles down to hit the main river before I have water. Yeah. Um, decided to go uphill and I think it ended up being a good decision, but it really sucked. So just but you had a sheep ran. on your back, so it was all worth it. Oh yeah. Like it, it was great, but it was hurting. So through mm-hmm. the whole sheep on, hiked up and, um, it was dark by the time I got back up to the ridge. So I decided to just camp there again. And I was like really dehydrated and I found like a peanut left over in one of my bags from the trail mix and tried eating that and I like, couldn't swallow it for my mouth being too dry. <laughs> and so I got my stuff set up, told my buddy I found the ram and everything. And now by this point, we're like the next day was the day that he was planning on hiking in and helping me out. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, like, do you need me to still hike in and help out with the pack out? And I'm like, yeah, man, you should. You just bring like some it. water in. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, dude, bring some Gatorade, bring something, like, just hike in here. So he started driving uh, to get from Idaho Falls to where he needed to hike from. And I was just trying to get something in my body, so I pulled out that bag of hydration powder and just, like, started eating that stuff, like, <laughs> uh, which was great until I remembered that it had caffeine in it. So I was just like sitting there dehydrated and like wired up. <laughs> and it was a fun night. Um, Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. I like got to sleep, you know, woke up the next morning, was actually feeling a lot better. So I ate some more of that powder and overnight I had like late. It's a solid sleep. breakfast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good breakfast. Like laid everything out to make sure it cooled down to try and keep the hive from spoiling and that sort of stuff. Um, and loaded it up and just started packing out. And it never occurred to me the entire time that I was like packing the sheep out or sitting up there on the ridge top that I could have started a fire and cooked up some of the sheep meat. Yeah. Like, which you know is full of blood, which is essentially water. Um, <laughs> it's basically the dad, same thing. Yeah, my dad pointed that out to me as I was like, you know, just getting back to the airstrip the next day. Mm-hmm. I definitely could have done that. Um, so just kept 
packing it out and I'd basically go as far as I could and just kind of sit down and take a little power nap on the ground. Yeah. Keep packing. Made it most of the way off my butt or off the mountain. And then it turns out the path that we thought my buddy could hike in on ended up being a lot harder for him too. So we had about five and a half hours of driving to get to the trailhead, which was a fire lookout on the other side of the river. And then it was about a 14 and a half mile hike for him, like dodging rattlesnakes and getting over deadfalls to get to me. So he was like near dead when he got to me Mm -hmm. and just threw me a Gatorade and a pack of Rice Krispies. And said, all right, time to get the hell out of here. (laughs) Yeah, it was great though. That was like best Rice Krispies I've ever had. Yeah, I bet. That sounds like a freaking wild hunt though. Like you had everything going on the whole time with, you know, getting around the fires and everything and not seeing anything for a while. And then you finally capitalized at the very end and it all came together for you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. You know, we um, ended up having to spend the night there that night to get the rest of my camp out from where I had left it. Made it back to the airstrip the next day and got flown out. So that's awesome. Yeah, well, it was I- a good. I don't want to cut you short because we did want to talk about your doll sheep because we hinted at that at the beginning when we did our intro, but Nick was completely unprepared for this episode for some reason, even though we've been planning it and his phone wasn't completely charged. So he's at like 2% right now. So we're going to have to make it a two-part episode. We got your bighorn talked about, which was freaking awesome. That's a That's hell an of intense a story. Hunt. Yeah, super intense. So we're going to have to pick it up another time for your doll sheep hunt which i'm sure is probably not near as intense since your brother lives up there and has his own plane it's probably a lot more laid back than your bighorn hunt (laughs) yeah it was a lot more chill but no worries that bighorn hunt there's uh took a little while to tell the story of it yeah no big deal we're happy to listen to it i was super interested the entire time it's just a uh sheep hunts are one it's a dream hunt of mine um so to Here's somebody that went through everything, and it's super interesting. Yeah, for sure. Are you going to continue sheep hunting? Like, is it a goal of yours to get the Grand Slam? Oh, He's halfway uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get rich enough, unfortunately, the last two are pretty tough, like a desert bighorn and a stone sheep. Yeah. Those are each 40 to 80 grand hunts, and I don't think there's any real way to DIY that. Um, no, not really. I was kind of joking about having a or like hiring a coyote to smuggle me across the border into Mexico, (laughs) smuggle me back out. But that's funny. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us tonight, Josh. We're definitely going to have you back on again if you want to come back on to talk about your doll sheep hunt. Yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to share and happy to BS with you guys. Um, like listening to the podcast to stay filled in on what's happening in the Eastern world. Uh, beaver fever podcast is pretty great (laughs) that's way back there holy shit yeah that's an old one so he's a he's a long time listener (laughs) long time listener first time caller (laughs) that's right you bet (laughs) all right yeah i appreciate it josh um we'll uh pick this back up part two here soon um and because i really want to hear about the the uh the doll sheep up in alaska too yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it, and thanks for having me on. All right, man. We'll talk soon, and I'll get something scheduled. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right, later. See you.
I guess this is where I come in. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, Josh is a longtime friend. He's from our area and moved out west and is, you know, living everybody's dream when you're out here. Like, it's kind of a cool perspective to get. Like, cause yeah, most everybody wishes that we, that we talk to are like longtime PA guys and they're getting it done in PA. So it's cool to talk to somebody that's gone from our style of hunting, whitetail hunting, Northwest PA style to mountains going out into the mountains and getting it done on sheep hunts and elk hunts and whatever else he's doing so it's it's cool to get that perspective and know that our type of hunting can translate a little bit you do learn a lot and can apply it elsewhere yeah so with that being said um you know whether you're in pennsylvania up in the northwest of pennsylvania it's more of the northeast uh <laughs> the or, northeast of the country or over in idaho just make sure you guys are all still getting outside